0: Hey, sister, this is Misty Williams, founder of HealingRosie.com, and I'm so excited to welcome you to Rosie Radio. Tune in to find clarity, direction, and hope for your healing. New episodes drop every Tuesday. We created this show to empower you to regain control of your life and feel like yourself again. Yes, sister, it is possible. All right, you guys, I'm super excited about this interview um, that I'm about to have with Dr. Al Danenberg. Many of you have um, heard me interview Dr. Al for different uh, masterclasses and summits that I've done. He's a periodontist, um, retired, um, knows a lot about oral health, um, the gut-mouth connection. Uh, one of the things that we have talked extensively about in the Healing Rosie community and in the recent masterclass, Radical Healing Detox your Stress and Stressors, was how important it is that you clean up your mouth, right? We have, I had mercury fillings improperly drilled for my teeth, Triggered a forty-five pound weight gain. Also triggered um, my body not being able to handle toxicity at all. Probably started picking up mold from the house I was in during that time. So all this, all this stuff with the mouth—that's really, really important to healing. But we're going to go a different direction with this conversation today. Um, And I've, I have chills just thinking about it right now because many of you know that Dr. Al was diagnosed with incurable bone marrow cancer um, several years ago, and he was given just a few months to live. And he decided that he wasn't going to accept the prognosis. He had a lot a lot of life left to live and a wonderful partner and family. And um, he still had a lot in him. He wanted to contribute to the world. And I have been really fortunate to be a witness to this journey unfolding and the way that he is choosing to give back. And it's been several years now. He's had lots of ups and downs. He shares really freely about those on his blog, drdanenberg.com. And he has he has done what what I feel really inspired by, which is why I founded Healing Rosie is I wanted to teach people how to advocate for themselves. You know, he's been a fierce, fierce advocate for his, his journey for how he wanted to approach treatment. He is committed to extending his life as much as possible and maintaining his quality of life. And he's doing it on his terms. And Um, I wanted him to just share about his journey with us today because many of us find ourselves in situations like me where we, like my situation is there's, I had chronic issues going on that I was scared may one day kill me, right? There's other people in our community who um, they're watching people that they love go through things like cancer, like what Dr. Al is going through where they might get killed quickly, right? And then there's others of us that are, you know, at the crossroads where we're getting a really serious diagnosis. And it's, it's scary to think about, you know, what this could mean for us. It's, it forces all of us, whether it's, this could happen to me in the future or this is going to happen to me soon, right? We all have to to stare our mortality in the face and um, it helps us in some ways to get a lot clearer on what's important to us and the life we want to live. So I'm going to peel back these layers today with Dr. Al. Um, he is a periodontist and was in private practice for 44 years. He incorporated ancestral nutrition and lifestyle with his leading edge laser protocol to treat periodontal disease And he currently consults with patients all over the world virtually regarding animal-based nutrition, lifestyle, oral, and overall health, and the importance of a healthy gut and immune system. He also includes his 11 unconventional cancer protocols since he was diagnosed with incurable bone marrow cancer in September of 2018. And he was given only three to six months to live. He rejected all chemotherapy and is thriving today. And on July 15th, Elsevier will publish a textbook titled Microbiome, Immunity, Digestive Health and Nutrition with Dr. Al, authoring the chapter entitled The Etiology of Gut Dysbiosis and Its Role in Chronic Disease. Welcome, Dr. Al.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you. It's great to be on again. I love it. Yes. Yes. Well, this is always fun.
0: I'm excited. I have as I said just felt so inspired by the way that you're going about this. Like it's it's the part of me that wants to feel empowered in this journey. I don't I don't want to feel like a victim of what's happening, right? I want to find the lane where I can do something about it. Um I've I've been really inspired by you basically embodying that, you know? Um so I think maybe we should just let's just start out with the beginning. I've been blessed to hear this story, maybe Probably most people that are in my community have not heard the story of what happened in 2018. And maybe you could just start walking us through um, what you chose to do and how you've continued to chart your own course as you're navigating all of this.
1: Well, I can bring you from that point all the way to literally what's going on today, which is um, another challenge. But in 2018, I thought I was a really healthy guy. I mean, I would have considered myself the senior poster boy for a healthy lifestyle. I was writing. I was lecturing. I was treating patients. I was, you know, I was on top of my game, and I was asked to speak at the PaleoFX meeting in Austin, Texas. I think it was April 2018, and I travel. I, I live in Charleston, South Carolina. To get to Austin, Texas, I have to connect in Atlanta, and to do that, there are large or uh, concourses that you have to go from A, B, C, D, depending on where your flights are. And generally, when I have time. I like to walk from concourse to concourse rather than take the train. So I usually take a bag on my shoulder and I walk the concourses and I did that. And as I was doing that, my right shoulder, where the bag was, started to get sore. Now, I am a wuss for pain. I do not like discomfort. So I couldn't figure out why my shoulder was getting sore. I thought I pulled a muscle or a ligament or something crazy like that. I went to Austin, did my speech, came back to Charleston. And the soreness never really went away. And then it started to go to my back and then it came to my chest. And now it's about August or so of 2018. And I'm kind of a hard head and I figured maybe I need to call my doc. So my doctor, I've been buddies with him for 30 plus years. He knows me well. I call him and I tell him what's going on. He schedules an appointment and he does some normal blood work, blood work chemistries, you know, CBC and things like that. And he also does a C-reactive protein Um, looking for systemic inflammation. Uh, When the blood work and everything comes back, he says, everything is fine, but the C-reactive protein is out of whack, indicating that you have some kind of inflammatory process going on in your body, and we don't know where it is. So we need to do an MRI. So we get an MRI done, which I never had done before, by the way. An MRI is an interesting contraption in and of itself because of the noise it makes. So I get this MRI, and he calls me up and he says, how do you want to come into the office or do you want to talk about it over the phone? I said, Bobby, come on, what's, what's the big deal? Tell me what's going on. I thought I pulled a muscle or tore a rotator cuff. He starts to get funny and he says, um, did you fall down some steps or did somebody beat you up? He said, of course not. And he tells me what he sees on the MRI, several vertebral compression fractures, several broken ribs, and a hairline fracture in my pelvis. My pain was coming from the fractured ribs that was causing me difficulty in breathing. And then he gets very serious and he says, I think you have lymphoma, leukemia, or multiple myeloma, three cancers. How can a guy 71 years old, who is the healthiest guy around, have cancer? I mean, it's not possible, right? I've been on a paleo type diet and lifestyle for six or seven years prior to that. How could I be sick like this? I can tell you later on why I know that uh, the way that I got sick, but this was pretty serious and it was devastating. So he says, look, my friend who's an uh, oncologist, unbelievable guy. Let me connect you with him and let's see what's going on. So I have a bunch of other tests and I meet this oncologist that I've never met before, George, and he is now my oncologist today. And he looks at me and he looks at all the tests and he tells me, with my wife and two adult children in the office, that I have IgA kappa light chain multiple myeloma with what's called innumerable lytic lesions throughout my skeleton, meaning that my body's bones are so porous now, it's almost like a person with severe osteoporosis, that my bones break very easily. And that's because of the disease. It's probably been going on for a very long time, but not diagnosable until what happened to me? And then he tells me that this is incurable. And I have three to six months to live if I do nothing. And he says, let's start chemo tomorrow. And I said, well, wait a minute. Why why would I start chemo if I have three to six months to live? Isn't chemo rather destructive? And he said, well, it is destructive, but you'll go into remission and you'll live longer than three to six months. And I said, well, you said it's incurable. And he said, well, it's not going to last." you'll come out of remission and you'll need more chemo, but you'll need it in a more caustic fashion, cocktail after cocktail. And I wasn't a good candidate for stem cell therapy, which may or may not be a, a good tr- form of treatment for what I have. And, and then eventually I'm going to die from multiple myeloma. Now I'm very geeky and I need to know all these facts and I tell him, well, what, what, what does that mean? How am I going to die? Well, he says that in multiple myeloma Generally, patients that die from multiple myeloma will die from either an infection that we can't get under control because multiple myeloma destroys your immune system or kidney failure because it also destroys your kidneys or because of the way the blood cells are pushing out healthy, the the malignant blood cells push out healthy blood cells, you may bleed to death um, with anemia or some type of condition like that. None of those are pleasant, but this is what I needed to know. So I'm looking at my wife and I said, look, I am not going to start chemotherapy because it is so caustic. It's going to destroy my immune system, which is already compromised. Modern medicine ain't so smart to figure it out, to rebuild my immune system, no matter what anybody tells you. And and I just didn't want to do that. So I needed to do what I could consider to be healthy, to improve my immune system and I needed to do a lot of research. So I said, George, you know, I will do what's, what needed to be done to take care of the pain in my chest, which was actually radiation treatment to kill some localized um, malignant cells so that the pain from the broken ribs wouldn't be pushing into my lungs. And that worked fine, but it doesn't cure the disease. And I researched a bunch of stuff and I came up with now it's, uh, I tweak it all the time, but now it's 11 unconventional cancer protocols. It is not a treatment for cancer. It is a method to improve the immune system. You could do it, I could do it, anybody could do it. A kid could do it, an 85 year old could do it. This is what you need to do to improve your immune system. And then I'd have to let the chips fall as they may because I am gonna die from this cancer. So I did quite well. This is September, 2018. And then fast forward to August of 2019, I'm alive, everything is great. I have some little setbacks here and there, but everything is great. And I'm aware that my bones are very fragile. You know, when somebody tells you your bones are fragile, you may think that you know what you're talking about, but I didn't really know what that meant. So I'm standing in my bathroom in August of 2019, one year later, brushing and flossing my teeth. And I think I know a little bit how to brush and floss my teeth. And I'm taking the dental floss. And when I've used it up, I'm gonna throw it in my trash can. Well, the trash can is to my left, so I'm twisting my body 90 degrees to the left, like anybody would do, to throw something away in the trash can. Well, my right femur snaps in half, and I crash to the floor. I break several more ribs, and my right humerus snaps in half. Now I'm lying on the floor. Of course, I don't know all this yet, but I'm lying on the floor in extreme pain, screaming for my wife, who's in the other room. And I know that things are bad because my arm and leg are in positions that could never be bent. So she obviously comes in, there's a lot of emotion. She gets in touch with the ambulance and they take me to the hospital. Now this is now a year after my diagnosis and I was given three to six months to live. I'm thinking in my head, sometimes that's a dangerous place to be. (laughs) I'm thinking in my head, look, uh, patients that I know that just have a hip fracture in my age group die shortly after that. And I have all these major bones on the right side of my body fractured. How, how could I even survive? I really wanted to die. And I was ready to die. I, had, I was not in denial and I, I, and I was ready to die. So I went to the hospital. They fixed my right femur because if I didn't get it fixed, my right femoral artery would have um, ruptured from the, the fracture. They don't fix my right arm. And the ribs, they don't do anything about anyhow. And I'm put into a hospice hospital to die. And this is the first week of uh, September, 2019, literally in hospice to die. Interestingly, and this is fate, I guess. Interestingly, a hurricane is coming through Charleston. It's called Hurricane Dorian. And it's moving at three miles an hour. And it has 187 mile an hour winds. And it's going to target the, the hospice hospital where I am. So the hospice hospital is ordered to evacuate all their patients. They had no idea where to send me. My wife is a, is a registered nurse. She ranges to get a hospital bed in our house. I'm still under hospice, but they ship me to my house instead. So I'm now at my home in a hospital bed. The Hurricane comes and goes. And my wife, who is amazing, gives me a, a bunch of tough love. And she basically says, look, you have done so well for a year with these unconventional cancer protocols. Let's get you back on those. Let me get a physical therapist in um, and, and, and see where we go with this. So I'm on a catheter for 30 days. If you've never been on a catheter, it's the greatest fun in the world. So <laughs> right? I'm on a catheter um, so, and I'm in a hospital bed and I really am not moving at all. So the physical therapist actually gets me to get out of bed gets the catheter out of my body. And I start walking on a a, a walker and I'm starting to get better. So I revoke hospice, get back on these unconventional cancer protocols and see my oncologist the next month in October, who is amazed I'm still alive. So my oncologist and I have a, a, a long talk and he recommends an immunotherapy drug, which is not chemo, but it's a drug that's relatively new that the FDA has approved to kill malignant plasma cells. That's the cancer I have. And it would help to rebuild my body if, I, if it's possible. It made sense to me. And I got started on that. And that was a weekly injection and then a monthly injection. But I was doing that for almost a year or so. And I did quite well. Again, going back on my um, unconventional cancer protocols, by May of 2020, my PET scan, which is a x-ray that shows cancer cells from head to toe, was negative. Now, it didn't mean that I didn't have cancer anymore because a PET scan only looks for moderate to large amounts of cancer cells, but it was a, a good sign. And I was feeling fantastic. And I was doing everything I wanted to do. So this was May of 2020. So life always takes another turn, right? So I'm continuing on and everything is going great. And then come, I think June of 2021, I take another. This, uh, of uh, this immunotherapy drug, which is called Darzalex. very effective for multiple myeloma theoretically, but I get numerous side effects from it all of a sudden. Now, the injection was given incorrectly, um, the nurse screwed up, um, it was given incorrectly and it damaged some of the tissue that should never have been damaged. It was supposed to be subcutaneous, meaning not going into a blood vessel, but she punctured a blood vessel, and I had a big hematoma, like a five centimeter hematoma a bruise that lasted five or six weeks. That's pretty big. And that 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 caused my body to really ache and, and it was just terrible side effects. Well it weakened my body. And when it weakened my body, I got COVID. So I got COVID at that time and it really took me under. But because I had improved my immune system so well from what I've done already, I never had to go to the hospital. I never had to take medication. And I recovered probably I continued with long haulers for a while, but I recovered. And then in 2022, this year, in January, my oncologist said, well, let's try the Darzalex again. Maybe it wasn't the Darzalex. Maybe it was just the COVID. Well, we tried it in January. It was great. And we did it in February. And I had all the symptoms again. And it was coming back with a vengeance. And it really caused a lot of pain, a lot of muscular pain, joint pain. Um, out of breath, it was terrible. So we do a new PET scan and it turns out that my multiple myeloma was reactivated with the COVID and maybe again, the side effects from the Darzalex. Obviously I've stopped Darzelex for, for sure at this point forever. And um, unfortunately the multiple myeloma started to work into my back and to my leg and it had some effects on my sciatic nerve which was treated with radiation once again, and my back. Now, once again, my bones are fragile. So we started radiation just last week in my back. And it has a series of 10 appointments just to kill the masses of malignant plasma cells that are aggravating and creating pain. And here's where you'd really have to understand advocating for yourself as if I didn't do it already. So I go into the, the clinic, the um, uh, uh, radiation clinic, and I have to be put on a machine, uh, on a metal table that goes into a machine to have this very targeted radiation just hit the, the cells. But the, the, the platform is a steel platform that's very hard, very uncomfortable, and I have all this pain in my back. So I have to be laid down very carefully. And then I have to be raised very carefully. So the technicians, after each treatment for five consecutive treatments, literally pull me up too fast. And I have excruciating pain with difficulty breathing. And this past Thursday, I was supposed to have the last or the sixth session. And I had so much pain before that session, I had to go to the ER because it was hard to breathe. Turned out that the technicians broke. Several ribs when they tried to pull me up. Man. So I had to now try to recover from that. And I had to tell them this is this is so annoying. I had to tell them how to transfer me from a gurney to the platform of the machine and then slide me back into a gurney so the gurney could automatically lift my back without them pulling me and damaging my ribs. Now they were very defensive. And they said, we could have broken your ribs. And I said, well, well, let me just tell you that if you go to the ER, and if the ER is attached to this cancer clinic, um, the record is there. The CT scan shows new fractures from the beginning of the radiation treatment. So yeah, you did. <laughs> so the annoying thing is I had to tell them how to do their work. And they had a, an attitude because they were very defensive, which unfortunately... Modern medicine gets these attitudes, you know, they make no mistakes and everything they do is correct. And if you don't follow their guidelines, they'll, they'll just fire you as a patient, which is crazy. Now, my oncologist is still my oncologist from day one. And I right now am in the middle of these radiation treatments to take care of this pain.
0: Did your oncologist, was he on board with the things that you wanted to do when you said, obviously, he gave you the diagnosis that day in his office. You wanted to go home and do more research. How did he respond?
1: Actually, he said, I understand and I agree with you because we cannot cure your cancer. Now, if you had a different cancer, I would disagree and I would say, we need to do this chemo because it's 85% effective. Um, and I would probably have thought about that if that were the case and the, and the statistics were accurate. But there are no statistics that are accurate for multiple myeloma other than it's incurable. i have not seen anything that says it's, a, it's curable. Now, some people have remission, spontaneous remission for a variety of reasons, but it's not because of treatment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so that's interesting. And the other thing is, and I will tell you this, for anybody that is interested in radiation treatment, radiation treatment has its benefits and of course its side effects. Now, I, my radiation was in the thoracic area of my body. So the radiation is targeting the cancer cells, but there is collateral damage. It does damage some healthy cells around the sides. And that would be in my esophagus, my GI tract area. So. The, the oncology, the radiology, the radiation oncologist never explained in detail to me, and I'm sure no patients get a good explanation of what the side effects could be. Interestingly, the side effects could be, because of the radiation in the area, could be creating gut dysbiosis and diarrhea. I'm not sure that any of those physicians even know the word gut dysbiosis, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition, it causes an irritation in the entire mucosal layer of the GI tract causing mucositis. And many people with radiation treatment get what's called oral mucositis, which are severe, painful, um, raw sores in the mouth that makes it difficult to swallow, to talk, to, to chew food. I mean, that's more painful than cancer. Uh, so the, So those are some of the problems, but there are ways to prevent that. For example, there is well-documented research that raw honey, If you eat raw honey before the radiation treatments, it may prevent the mucositis from ever getting started. It's amazing. Three studies published in 2019 show that raw honey can prophylactically prevent mucositis or if you have mucositis already, help to treat it. There's another thing that can help to neutralize the excess radiation that can damage the the cells adjacent to the cancer cells, and that's molecular hydrogen. Well-documented studies that show molecular hydrogen neutralizes the very damaging free radicals that are created from a variety of reasons, but specifically from radiation. So those are things that are important. And then you can improve your gut if you just do some very isolated, specific probiotics, spore-based probiotics, to rebuild the gut microbiome before all the damage occurs so that you have a stronger diverse microbiome to prevent the damage from the radiation none of the oncologists will tell you that but mm-hmm. that's true and if you had that that if you were to do that proactively you may ha- not have the side effects from radiation treatment
0: so one of the things that your journey has um, confronted you with is your mortality. You talk about right. it on your blog. You talk a lot about the experiences that you've had um, processing things with your wife and your family. Obviously, in 2019, you thought you were looking at heaven's gates. <laughs> and right. here we are 2022 coming up on the three-year anniversary of that four,
1: four, four, four. four year
0: four um, of that stint. And you're here with us still. So why don't you talk to us just a little bit about what that's been like for you? Like how did you how did you process emotionally and spiritually what was going to happen?
1: Well, this is going to either resonate with some of your listeners or just turn them off. So I believe in life after death. So I believe we're here for a purpose. I believe we have a soul. I believe we have a soul that comes into a human body to learn lessons and then that soul leaves when the body dies and has other lessons to learn maybe at other times and they that soul reincarnates. And I believe my lesson this time around is to deal with this cancer. But not so much deal with it, learn from it and share from it. And I think if anybody knows me, they they know that I am amazingly transparent with what I've gone through. I have not ever seen any articles written by any cancer patients that are as clear as I have been and what I've done positively and negatively. And I think that's very important for cancer patients or anybody that has a serious terminal disease to know that there are other ways to treat or deal with with your your medical challenges rather than just give in and give up. Uh, even if the disease is going to kill you, you can do different things to make you feel better to make memories with your family. I mean, these are things that are intangible, but are the only important things in life anyhow.
0: Yeah. How did your family respond to everything that's that's happening? Well, of course,
1: some of my family members totally disagree disagree with me. Um, my wife is always on board with me. We don't have the same belief system in everything, but she has always been an amazing support uh, individual. She, she is just uh, phenomenally strong. She has her own medical issues. So I, I you know, I, right now I have a, a lot that I put on her because physically right now with, with the pain in my back, it's very difficult for me to do a lot of the things that I want to do and that I used to do. Right now, the radiation is going to take care of my problem. And after the problem is gone, I will be as um, obnoxious as I've been in the past. I will do all the things that I've used to do until the disease finally gets me. But th- right now I'm a little weakened because of the pain from what's going on in my back. But my wife is there to take care of all the loose ends, which is yeah. fantastic. You have to have a supporting partner of some type. Um it doesn't have to be a spouse, but you have to have some individual that you can bounce things off of that can give you tough love when it's necessary. And believe me, it's an important process because it's easy to get down and, and depressed. And sometimes you just need to be made aware of you're not a victim. Um, just just stop it and change your way of thinking about things. And other things can happen in a very positive way.
0: So you kind of teased us earlier with, yeah. um, with knowing how you got this cancer you want to share with us. Oh, yeah.
1: So again, I'm very geeky. So I try to do a lot of research. So I'm trying to dive into the medical literature that I can find that talks about um, the prevalence of cancer in guys my age. I found a paper that was published with a Brazilian researcher, I think it was in 2010 or something like that. And he actually studied dentists in the age group of my cohort, 65 to 75 compared to the male population. So he studied and looked at the male dental population, 65 to 75 compared to the male population In general, 65 to 75. And in that male population of dentists, there was a significant prevalence of cancer, specifically multiple myeloma. Now, it was observational. It never gave an example of why these dentists got cancer. But now that I'm a dentist and I know what dental school and dental life was, I'm thinking what happened in dental school that actually could have created the situation that I del- dealt with 45 years later. And there are two things that stand out, at least in my mind. One, I'm exposed to low-dose ionizing radiation on a daily basis. That's dental x-rays. Now, in my dental clinic, there were about 120 um, kids in each class, four years of dental school, a lot of dental students. And in the clinic, four dental students shared one x-ray machine. So we're a lot of x-ray machines all over the clinic. And those x-ray machines go on and off all the time. And you don't hear them or smell them or or feel them. You just see a little red light or a green light button on. But other than that, you don't know that the machine is on. Now, in those days, this is the late 1960s, early 70s, uh, very few people wore radiation badges to make sure you didn't get exposed to too much radiation. I don't even remember if I wore a badge, but I'm sure that I was exposed to ionizing radiation on a regular basis. And in fact, plasma cells are very susceptible to ionizing radiation and they become malignant. And that's the cancer that I have. The other thing that I am aware of in dental school is that we played with free mercury in our hands like kids used to play with Play-Doh. We played with this wonderful watery metallic substance that, you know, it's shiny, it's silvery, and we could throw it on the floor in a little Beads would eventually evaporate and disappear. The, the the environment in the dental school was probably the most toxic environment in any public building, probably in the United States. And so free mercury, as you know, and this is used to make dental amalgam, dental fillings, um, free mercury is highly toxic. So either and or the free mercury and or the ionizing radiation caused one plasma cell in my body to become cancerous and not kill itself off or the immune system didn't kill itself, kill it um, off. And that cancer cell went on to reproduce and became malignant. And it took four decades before it manifested into what I'm dealing with today.
0: Mm-hmm. Were you angry when you No, you know, came no, I wasn't those, angry it, as much as, it?
1: there's a relief when you know what's causing a problem, even though you can't change the problem. I wasn't even angry when I had cancer uh, diagnosis. I was devastated in the fact that I thought irrationally I thought my life was coming to an end. I didn't know how to live other than the way I lived as a period honest, you know, a husband, a father and doing the things I did. Obviously all that would change literally immediately. And it did. And and that was a very scary scenario, but I was never in denial. I never thought Oh, I don't have this disease or well, I'll get over it. Or I mean I, I wasn't in denial. I, I and I wasn't angry, um, but I was somewhat devastated that I knew my life was changing, but I took that and changed that completely around too.
0: Yeah. So I'm really intrigued by your cancer protocols because uh, I love the, I love the reframe that you gave. This is not just for cancer. This is all about boosting your immune system. Absolutely. Um, I would I would imagine it's tied a lot into creating more resiliency in the body as well. Um, So I would love most people are listening, not watching us, right? I would do a screen share and just scroll through the blog when I'm not sure that that's super useful to people. But I would love for you just to kind of walk us through um, not getting too deep here, you guys will put the link in the show notes to this blog post that Dr. Al has on his website. So you guys could go um, check it out. There's a ton of links. Um, throughout the document so that you could go a little deeper, right, and, um, and really wrap your head around what he's teaching. But it's a it's a roadmap for for building resiliency and strengthening the immune system, which all of us need. There's a lot of, in our community that are dealing with autoimmunity, autoimmune disease. Um, we've got lots of people dealing with diabetes, women struggling with symptoms, some of them are just mystery symptoms, meaning there's no accompanying diagnosis, we have hypothyroid and hormone issues, and you know, all sorts of things that um, we're each one um, confronting recurring. Epstein barr virus, Lyme disease, mold, and metal toxicity. And, you know, the common thread through all of these things is when your immune system is compromised, it allows these disease states to present. It allows things like Lyme disease and Epstein Barr and whatever else to proliferate, right? Because your body isn't able to keep it in check. So um, why don't you just kind of give us the give us the rundown? 11, 11 cancer protocols. Well,
1: I'll give you give you a few. Um probably one of the most important would be nutrition. The, the food that we take in, and probably even more important, the food that we avoid taking in, that that inherently damages our gut microbiome, and therefore can damage the rest of the body. So unfortunately, we are a society of, and again, I'm going to step on a lot of toes, we're a society of plant eaters. We are a plant-based society, meaning that meat is vilified, animal fat is vilified, and anything that's green Um, and grows out of the ground is the best thing that could ever be. Unfortunately, or fortunately, it's not true. As a matter of fact, uh, Dr. Um, Mickey Van Doer and two other colleagues, their PhD anthropologists published a paper in 2021 that clearly showed, clearly showed in a variety of discipline areas that the human species evolving over two and a half million years, two and a half Million years has basically leaned toward an animal based diet with very, very few plants. As a matter of fact, if they were not eating an animal based diet, the brain tissue and a variety of other tissues could never have evolved the way they have. And this is identified from a physiological standpoint based on the way our digestive system is designed. Our stomach has a very, very low acid level so that it destroys microbes that are eating away of of, uh, animal products that we eat from the ground in in those days. And so on and so forth. Plants very frequently have a lot of nutrients that we theoretically could use, but they have other chemicals called anti-nutrients that offset these nutrient uh, benefits and actually damage our gut microbiome. So there are certain plants that are okay. Most of them are not okay because of these anti-nutrients but in an animal-based diet we're eating animal foods like beef and lamb that have four stomachs they can digest these anti-nutrients destroy them recreate them and all of the nutrients a human requires for the most part are in animal-based foods but it's not steak and eggs it's it's all the organs it's the bone marrow it's the cartilage all of these things are critical to eat in one way or another now we're not used to eating them today but this is the style of eating that I propose. As a matter of fact, I have a. I wrote a book called The Better Belly Blueprint, which is my way of a seventy percent animal-based diet and thirty percent or less certain plants that are low in these anti-nutrients. And I'm also having another book. Um, I think it's going to get published next month, called Eat as if Your Life Depends on It. Basically, talks about the history and and the the combination or blend of keto paleo, and carnivore as probably the ideal way of eating, not necessarily just animal-based, but at least the plants that are not damaging to the body. So the first goal in my unconventional cancer protocols is to have this nutrient-dense anti-inflammatory diet that doesn't damage any of the pathways of the body. Another unconventional cancer protocol is to have a healthy gut microbiome, which most of us don't have. There was a study that was published two years ago that showed 88% of the U.S. adult population is metabolically unhealthy. Wow, that's amazing. That is amazing. These are people that eat an unhealthy diet. They have all kinds of damage to different metabolic pathways in their body. They're getting sick. They're not dying yet, but they're just sick and they're getting sicker. And like you mentioned before, people have symptoms, but they don't know what they're Diseases are generally it's because of this poor diet and a poor gut microbiome. So the gut microbiome is hugely important. You have to have a huge diversity of bacteria in the gut called alpha diversity, and there are ways to improve that. Um, diet helps, um, and a variety of other things help. Many things affect the gut microbiome: stress, exercise, sleeping patterns, emotional stress is a critical factor that is very frequently overlooked by. All the medical profession that is a cause to gut dysbiosis. You could be the healthiest young lady around. And if you were under constant emotional stress, your gut microbiome could be shot and you could be prone to all kinds of chronic diseases, even if you're eating a healthy animal based diet, even if you think you're trying to get your gut microbiome healthy, because the emotional stress is extremely destructive to that gut. And then I just mentioned exercise is important, not over exercising not under-exercising. You have to sleep well. Circadian rhythm is a critical factor for overall health. I get involved with um, pulse electromagnetic field therapy because we are electrical beings and all of our cells uh, communicate chemically, but also with frequencies. They speak to one another and these frequencies are electrical frequencies and they sometimes frequently get out of whack or they get very weakened. And pulse electromagnetic field therapy has the ability to re-energize your battery. You know, if you had um, a flashlight and you put batteries in that flashlight and you turned on the light, it would glow bright for a while and then it would start to to dim. These flashlight, these batteries, are what's called mitochondria in every cell of our body except red blood cells. Well, these mitochondria are electrical beings. And when their energy... Is not correct. They weaken. As a matter of fact, every chronic disease is a disease of mitochondrial dysfunction. The battery is breaking down, and cancer is a disease of mitochondrial dysfunction. If you can re re energize that battery, like you take a, a a battery that is that you can actually put into a recreate the energy of the battery, you're going to do that with your mitochondria. So if you have a method like pulse electromagnetic field therapy to help your mitochondria, it's just one of the other elements to improving the immune system. So all of these kind of combine to get to a point where you are enhancing your ability to fight infection externally and internally. And that is your immune system. And everybody has the ability to improve that immune system as best as it can. Now I will never be able to make my immune system as healthy as yours because I have other preconditions right now. But I know that I can improve it to an extent that improves my body's uh, healing potential. And that's what I'm trying to do. So those 11 unconventional cancer protocols are appropriate for everybody. Actually only 10 of them are. One of them would be more delegated to my cancer, which is an immunotherapy type of treatment. But everyone other than that one Anybody and everybody could delve into to improve their own body. And it's not difficult to do. It's not exotic stuff.
0: Yeah. Well, this has been awesome. I'm delighted to have you walk us through. I've been fortunate to get a front row seat to see you sharing as this thing has unfolded. But it's really inspiring to hear what you've um, put together, not only for yourself and for what's happening in your body, but the way that you're sharing it with others. And I'm sure you get lots of people reaching out to you that are implementing this protocol and it's making a difference in their lives too. And, um, it's also inspiring to see how throughout this journey, you've been really committed to finding ways to give back, putting out another book. I mean, Mm -hmm. just think of what you've done in the last few years to make sure that the things that you've learned, um, are helping as many people as possible. So thank you so much for sharing with us today. Um, I've loved it. Thank you everyone for tuning in. We are going to have lots of good links in the show notes. Um, I'll make sure we're linking to this, to Dr. Al's website, to this specific post. We've also talked about things like um, hydrogen water and, you know, several other things that um, he has talked about being helpful to him. We'll make sure that you can get those links in the show notes as well. So thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Dr. Al.
1: Thanks for the opportunity.
0: All right. We'll see y'all soon. That's it for this week's episode. Thank you for listening. I hope you're feeling more empowered to overcome your flabby, foggy, and fatigued and to reclaim your life. If you haven't subscribed yet, don't forget to hit that subscribe button right now. So you don't miss any of our episodes. We have some awesome shows coming right up. I love reading your reviews and comments too. They inspire me and encourage other Rosies to hang out with us and learn all these amazing strategies for healing and living our best lives till next time, sister. Bye.